Welcome to the Quaker Speak podcast, where we talk with Quakers from all sorts of backgrounds about all sorts of topics. Quakers are at our best when we are speaking out of a grounded silence. That's how we conduct each Quaker Speak interview, so if you'd like to join us in that space, you might try taking a couple of deep breaths right now just to get yourself spiritually grounded and receive this in the spirit that it was given, knowing that God often speaks to us in unexpected ways. Many Americans first hear about Quakers because somewhere in their genealogy, they're related to one. We set out to explore this trend and uncovered some resources that you might not have heard of before. By the American Revolutionary War period, Quakers were about the fifth largest religious group in the American colonies. Almost half the American colonies were controlled by Quakers. The Jerseys, Rhode Island, Delaware, Pennsylvania, North and South Carolina... We were a large group. And so most Americans, if they shake their family tree, a Quaker nut is going to fall out. I have seen some genealogists speculate that if your family arrived in the United States before 1860, there's probably a 50-50 chance that you have a Quaker ancestor somewhere. There are so many values to knowing your Quaker ancestry. Um, some people just really like to know as part of, the, of their identity. Um, who am I made of? Who do I come from? Um, I hear stories all the time of people that say um, that they started going to meeting because they heard that they had Quaker ancestry. It's like putting together a puzzle that everyone has parents. And so there are always uh, links to be pushed back one more generation. And it's also interesting to see how families uh, spread out, you know, particularly when Quaker families uh, before 1900 were routinely having eight or 10 or 12 children. If your ancestors uh, live, for example, in uh, Kentucky in the 19th century, they weren't Quakers because there were no Quakers there. On the other hand, if you can trace them back to the 18th century in a place like Chester County, Pennsylvania, or Guilford County, North Carolina, or on Long Island, then the chances are very good that you've got a Quaker connection somewhere. And you could trace your family's migrations along the Quaker migration routes from England into the colonies, uh, from the Delaware Valley, down into the south, and then anti-slavery migrations up into Indiana, and then following the frontier, a route into the northwest by the late 1800s and a route into Southern California in the late 1800s. All along that way will be these Quaker colleges that were established by the Friends as they moved west. Genealogists are usually very excited when they discover they have Quaker ancestors because Quakers have been such good record keepers over three and a half centuries. Quaker ancestors are probably easier to trace than those of any other church with 
perhaps the exception of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, for whom, of course, genealogy is a religious duty. Quakers kept excellent records because, as a nonconformist group, much of the legality of their marriages and their burials related to their keeping meticulous records about who was marrying whom and where and where'd they come from. And these records have been kept in Quaker libraries. You can contact us at Haverford. You can contact our sibling collections at Swarthmore or Guilford um, or, or Earlham, um, at least in the United States. And, um, and then we can kind of help you try to figure out where your family is from and where Quakers might have intersected with that. If you're over in London, uh, it's the uh, Friends House Library in, uh, in London. In uh, Philadelphia, it would be Haverford College, Swarthmore College. Out in Indiana, it would be the Earlham College Archives. Here in Greensboro, it would be the Guilford College Archives. And other Quaker colleges uh, out to the coast, George Fox in Oregon, Whittier in Southern California, Fringe University in Wichita, uh, William Penn University in Oskaloosa, Iowa, would also probably have those sorts of records. If you're comfortable with technology, chances are that your local public library is going to have a, a subscription to Ancestry.com. So you can simply uh, put in that name, John Hadley, Alamance County, North Carolina, 1850, and see if there is any match with the Quaker records from North Carolina that have been digitized. So Ancestry.com has more than 6.5 million Quaker records. And these predominantly come from a collaboration between Haverford, Swarthmore College, Guilford College, and Earlham College. They have um, uh, Philadelphia yearly meeting, Baltimore yearly meeting, um, I know Indiana, North Carolina yearly meetings. They have a lot of material um, and you can go through and go by, by the yearly meeting and really just look at, at minutes um, up to 1935. I think that there's a real value in knowing it's not just who I am today, but it's this larger family that we come from and that includes our ancestors. So that's our episode for this week. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Quaker Speak podcast. If you'd like to join us in the conversation, please follow the link in the show notes and leave us a comment. You can also watch the full video there and subscribe to our weekly videos all at quakerspeak.com. If you'd like to support Quaker Speak, we would ask you to please consider becoming a Patreon partner. For just $1 per episode, you can help make sure we stick around and keep producing spiritually grounded Quaker content. Quaker Speak is a project of Friends Journal, a weekly Quaker magazine. If you like Quaker Speak, we encourage you to consider a subscription to Friends Journal. Subscriptions start at just $28 per year. My name is John Watts. I'm the director of the Quaker Speak Project. I conduct the interviews and host the podcast, which is edited by Charles Marchione. You can find all the music we use for Quaker Speak at johnwattsmusic.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.